Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrulo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's happening? I am coming to you live uh, from Ohio <laughs> this week. Uh, I'm uh, visiting my lady love, long-distance relationship. She lives in Ohio. Uh, the birthplace of aviation, as they like to put on every single public uh, sign and highway overpass. And it's like the Wright brothers were born here. Which was didn't, a big deal. Didn't apparently, they go to North Carolina though to like to make yeah, their... but it's they were born here, right? That's all that matters, <laughs> okay. right? Uh, and then like the there's an astronaut on the back of Ohio's quarter, right? Because apparently like mm-hmm. 25 astronauts were all from Ohio, uh, mm-hmm. which is like you know, uh, um, which is it's ironic because today uh, uh, Michael Collins, one of the Apollo 11 astronauts, just died at the ripe old age of 90. He was the uh, commander of the orbital module that didn't mm-hmm. land on the moon he was like you know hey if those guys don't come back i'm gonna have a lonely flight home um <laughs> he passed away today uh he was a test pilot back in the day when that's where they were taking all of the you know like recruiting the people who would become the first astronauts they were all test pilots flying jets that crashed a lot uh there was a apparently like a 22 week span of time when 11 other pilots died uh that were like his cohorts basically so it was really fucking dangerous and uh yeah yeah so damn ohio (laughs) (laughs) yeah um also we have a very special guest joining us today uh savannah is joining us uh you if you're on instagram and you're you know a a leftist or if you listen to the show i'm sure you know her instagram (laughs) is at uh savannimals at yeah i say yeah hi Um, yeah thanks for coming on uh Super excited to have you on. It's gonna be a gonna be a fun show. I'm so excited. This is just being on a podcast is just such a dream for me. <laughs> it's my life's goal. <laughs> I promise you, it's not nearly as glamorous as it sounds. I just listen to so many podcasts, right. so this is just so cool. So I'm excited. Hey guys, awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, so, so yeah. why uh, save animals? Like, what's the like? Let us know what animals mean to you, real quick. Well, I originally started out um, as an animal activist, and I've been, you know, vegan and for, gosh, only about like four or five years now, but vegetarian my whole life. Um, I'm really embarrassed about how long it took me to make the final switch, but um, I was going to be using my platform on Instagram or Twitter or whatever to be uh, raising awareness on animal rights and stuff like that. So my original at was supposed to be Savanimals, like one with the animals, save the animals. And then uh, I kind of took a different, I moved to LA and, uh, you know, I should change it to Sav hates cops. <laughs> or something because survey cab <laughs> yeah Sava- yes oh, how good. have i, I like not that. thought of that i was savantifa <laughs> on twitter for a bit but Sav- oh that's A-cab. good too i like that that's good yeah damn <laughs> dang <laughs> right well you know lapd are, are, are you know pretty mild compared to the rest of the country as everyone knows <laughs> so <laughs> Um, oh, as, you have, as you have Apache helicopters, you know, flying overhead every 10 seconds. I'm Quite sure. literally. I live right underneath a flight path for the LAPD, uh, the helicopters, and it's psychotic. I, it's ev- Yeah, it's literally every other five minutes. It's right. crazy. <laughs> so you're in, uh, you're near Venice Beach, is that right? Um, no, I'm actually in mid-city Los Angeles, so I'm in the mm, center, okay. center of it all. Um, I live... Fairly close to what is our police department? 
Um, wow, I actually don't know. I've protested at so many police departments, but I don't know the one that's <laughs> closest to me. I, I usually I mean, go down to so like... M- there's so there many choice so many. precincts. You can I, I also don't favorite. understand the way you guys name like, like everyone's like, oh yeah, I live in Los Angeles, but then there's like fifty thousand different like little fucking city. Like, oh, I exactly. live in Century City and I live in La Brea. I'm like, what the? What is like? What is the actual? Yeah, it's it's fucking crazy. I'm from like a tiny town in Oregon that had like eight thousand people. So <laughs> when I flew a plane at night into Los Angeles, and on both sides of the plane, you could just see city until. Until the horizon on each side, I I lost right. it. It's crazy, but you you fly. You have a pilot's <laughs> license. That's crazy. Huh? Oh no no no! Like being Commercially. a pilot. <laughs> yeah. <Yeah. laughs> so said I flew. I was like, oh wow. Oh uh, yeah, wow. It's awesome. She, she Anthony, does it you're all. from New York, right? So you yeah. know that big cities have lots of little neighborhoods that are no, of so course, dense of their course. population of themselves. When I worked at State Department, I had to get used to people just calling him and like, oh yeah, I'm from Jamaica. And I'm like, oh, the country. They're like, no, 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 Jamaica, Queens. I'm like, oh, right, right. And you might as you well mean be Queens, from Queens, New York. Like, <laughs> it was right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, Los Angeles is what 560 square miles. So wow. the, <laughs> you know, when they say inland empire, it's not, it's no joke. But uh, right, somehow right. they have thousands of less cops than Chicago, a city that's like half the size. I yeah, don't get that. We were just talking about that. That's so crazy. Yeah. I just took a trip to Portland, and I was shocked. That, I mean, I used to live in Portland, but um, I just I, I was touring with musicians and I worked at a Voodoo Donuts. And I didn't really like <laughs> pay attention, but um, especially as a white girl, I was just like, oh, you know, when I went to go visit, I was like, there are no cops anywhere, anywhere. Oh, right. I, I didn't I didn't see a <laughs> single cop the entire thing. So I looked it up, saw there was 900 cops in the entire city. Obviously, their cops are horrible and their union is terrible. But I was just like, it made me go, oh, my God, okay, so how many cops does L.A. have? And it's like <laughs> 10,000. And then you, uh, me and uh, we, we were talking, and it was like, Chicago has even more, which doesn't make sense. Oh, no, you messaged me. You were like, <laughs> like comrade, uh, Portland only has 900 cops. We could take that shit over. <laughs> yeah, I was literally like, insurrection. Like, LA, LA and, and Chicago, there's just too many of them. You have no chance. But Portland, there's only like, you know, like I... I <laughs> Last time I heard there was is like that, 500, but now it's wow. maybe up to 900 now. Is that which why is, it's just like so easy to have like just like like fucking like Antifa versus like Proud Boy warfare in the street because there's like nobody Yeah, but around, also basically. just like, like the activist culture in Portland is right, so right, much more aggressive, right? Yeah. you know, where you have, I, I don't want to say that like every person on a megaphone is there to be the peace police and corral people and <laughs> pretend to be the voice of activists. Right. But 99% of the time, if you're on a megaphone, you're there representing the organization and not the actual people marching. Right. right. No and violence, Portland, no agitation, guys. Por- yeah. There was a, I saw, just saw a, a Mayday flyer for Chicago, and it was like either a cop wrote it or it was like baby's <laughs> first protest. Right. Aww. And it was like... The, the the dress attire will be black block fashion, but no <laughs> violence will be tolerated. Oh, that was in the fucking flyer. I'm like, who okay. the fuck wrote this? Yeah, that has uh, to be a cop. Like, there's no way it. <laughs> all cops are bastards, including peace police. Yeah, yeah. especially. Can't stand especially. that. It's a form of a cop. Just just this hall monitor is this is exactly. cop and, and training. And what it is is you have these nonprofits who are, are just largely 
you know, neoliberals, <clears throat> they get a majority of their funding from things like downtown business alliances. So they want to be on the side of the people whose windows are getting smashed, mm. right? And they say, oh, you know, we can reform this, but, you know, violence isn't the answer. It's like, guess what? A fucking window is not a person. It's not sentient. And it's violence, not violence was always the answer. <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? It's crazy. We're also having a problem right now with a lot of our, like, street photographers. Um, there was a mm. Black Lives Matter LA march in mm. Pan Pacific mm. Park the other day, and one of our trusted photographers was like, hey, if I see anybody vandalizing, I will post every incriminate, like, basically just threatening to dox everyone. <laughs> and That's so, not cool. Yeah, it was crazy. We were like, are you a cop? Like, and then the a lot fuck? of the photographers like rallied around and being like, we can't help what you do. Like, so, don't be mad. Don't be mad that we're taking photos of it. Be mad that it's happened kind of thing. Like, you shouldn't be doing that. We're just going to take photos. And it's just crazy. There's just like no solidarity whatsoever. And That's right. such bullshit. Yeah. When I was, um, <clears throat> so I used to live in Portland uh, back <clears throat> when Occupy was happening. And there were... I mean, there's just any random person could show up and take pictures, but there was, like, people who were trusted, and they had, you know, like, a code of documentary ethics of, you know, if you post something, make sure no one's face is on there, make sure there's no, you know, specifically identifying feature, uh, you know, crop things selectively, uh, you know, which is easy to do now because everyone's got their face covered because of COVID. It's, I was going to say, that's like, yeah. a great, great excuse, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Awesome. yeah. And, and I upload things, but I, I, you know, take a bunch of pictures and I go through them with a fine-tooth comb, making sure that there's nobody in commitments of a crime in the photo and nobody's face is revealed, you know? And there's, exactly. there's ways you can still apply documentary ethics and not be a fucking snitch. Exactly. And it's like the the... Who, who gives anyone a right to decide how people protest? Right. It, it's just, I don't know. You can't be a photographer like making your whole entire Instagram based on the social justice movement and then like, right. undermine it. <laughs> it's well, crazy. You know, the funny thing about like about the, the June 6th, the, the, capital insurrection whatever is that all those idiots are so like virulently like anti-mask that they totally fucked themselves and they all could have just had masks <laughs> on and not been arrested and now the fbi is just sending out you know all these these like tweet photos of like hey help us identify this guy help us say that who are all just you know there, no fucking masks on like yeah. completely identifiable it's like Live idiots <laughs> idiots could have fucking gotten away with it the, if you the, just the, put the a fucking people mask on. who are like the most emphatic supporters of saying the phrase, uh, play stupid games, win stupid Wins. prizes. And they're all <laughs> right. like, what? We were on camera that mean? whole time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's insane. What, oh, a, what a, like a comedic thing that happened. You know what I mean? I, like, it really <laughs> can't kind of can't believe like that, that even happened. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, then they kill the cop. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was our job. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Oh, such a fuck. Yeah, such an insane. Well, you know, speaking of cop, this is going to be another cop heavy episode. Last week, uh, we we pretty much exclusively, you know, we we called it our ACAB episode. We pretty much exclusively talked about cops because we had the um, simultaneously we had the 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 Derek Chauvin verdict. We had Mm. the uh, Adam Toledo tape getting released. and then the Micaiah Bryant uh, getting killed, like in the same like couple of days. So yeah. like that was a very 
Fuck. Um, but, uh, you know, again, it, it's just it, 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 what's ends. happening, right? never ends and like cops are just you know throwing their little fucking baby temper tantrum right now that one of them was mildly held accountable and you're seeing just all kinds of shit you know like so now the this week uh there's uh this guy andrew brown jr who the cops murdered in north carolina uh the cops were showing up to serve him with a uh an arrest warrant for felony drug you know possession or intent whatever fucking bullshit shouldn't even be illegal um and they shot him, uh, according to an autopsy, an independent autopsy, uh, four times in the arm and once in the back of the head as he was trying to leave. Style. Right. As he was trying to leave. Uh, it, consistent with him having his arms up on the steering wheel as you know he was instructed to by the people like who were surrounding his car. So he might not have even been trying to leave. Like, you know, he might have literally just been sitting there and they might have just fucking shot him. The um and even if he was trying to leave, he was posing no threat to anybody whatsoever. And they just fucking shot him in the back of the head and killed him. So, Insane. yeah, a ju- today, a judge in North Carolina ruled that the tape will not be released to the media, but it will be shown uh, to the family. And the family said they were only shown 20 seconds of video, which I'm sure was, you know, carefully edited. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and... Well, that, that's would, one option. It, the other option is they release, you know, hours of footage, and you have to pour through it trying to find the actual shooting, like they did with the Adam Toledo footage. Oh. Uh, right. When, when that was when Copa, which is our like barely civilian oversight uh, <coughs> your department, jurisdiction bureau, I don't even know what the fuck you call them. Right. Board, they released whatever. like every they released every body cam uh, from like twenty different officers, and you had to just like <laughs> pour through all the footage to find. You know, like the ten seconds of the you know actual execution. So that, that's that's kind of like what the government does. Like they'll either redact everything or they'll give you so many files that they think you'll never go through it all. Right? They'll bury you in files. Well, yeah. And and in this case, the judge who is clearly a fucking you know just just one of the boy one of the good old boys with the cops down in North Carolina. Uh, a he said it can't be released to the media. It can be released to the family, but they are not. They are legally prohibited from leaking it to the media. Um, and the cops' faces are going to be blurred in the video before it's released to the family. What? Yeah, which I've never even fucking heard of. But I, like yeah. this insanity, fucking what? insanity. Oh, well, they can my. just say they work vice, so their identities have to be protected at all costs. You know, right? They, right. they can say anything they want. Exactly. <sighs> Right. And and of course I'm sure this is a setup so that they can try to get the family to leak it to the media and then they'll they'll never be able to bring a criminal case against the cops oh that fucking God. murdered their 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 son and husband what you know, whoever he is to the family. Yeah. Usually in those kind of cases they will have um the lawyer leak the video to like protect the family from any kind of wrongdoing in that case and then you know, the lawyer basically has to take the you no know, the heat for that but usually right. they don't face a whole lot of penalty right but then then i'm sure they'll try to use that as like a, a, an excuse to make sure oh no 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 member of the jury pool could come into this you know without having like it you know they're they're already just trying to muddy the waters because they the, it's very obvious the fact that they didn't release the tape they closed all the schools in the area they they locked down the city uh, they were very aware of the fact that these cops clearly fucking executed this mm. guy, and they have literally no way of defending it. If they did, they would release the tape immediately, like they exactly. did, you know, with Micaiah Bryant, because they thought that that was justified. Even though we, of course, all saw that, and we're like, "Why what the fuck the did he have fuck? to shoot her? Like, yeah. what the fuck?" I've <laughs> seen know. so much bigger people 
that have been like wielding axes and machetes. Like there's a video of the cop getting stabbed in the neck by that white kid and they still just like diffuses right. the situation. It's fucking crazy. Right. Right. And and I think we I, I think I sent this to you offline uh com or you know like off the podcast comrade cuz I saw it after the fact. But someone had a really good tweet that I was like, "Man, I you know, I totally wish I had thought of that when we were talking about it on the show." Like anyone who's ever worked in a school, like any like I have like a tweet in front of me right now if you want me to okay, read great. it. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh yeah, uh, so this this uh tweet was in reference to um uh, what was her name again? Mike Mike Micaiah, Micaiah, Brown, Micaiah, yeah, and Brian, she, Brian, yeah, you know, you can see that she has a knife in her hand. It's never evident that she's trying to stab the person with the knife. She's holding it for several seconds and doesn't make any right. stabbing. Motion, and she, right? and she called the cops because she was being harassed by these two <coughs> right. girls who yeah. tried trying to kick the shit out of her, probably. But yeah. So the tweet that somebody had here was, uh, "quote." Every black woman who is a school bus driver, a principal, an assistant principal. Or a lunchroom attendant has broken up a fight between teenage girls without killing them. Right, right. So basic. That is right. scathing. <laughs> right. I've, I've seen like hardcore like fights with weapons between teenage boys be broken up in, in lunch cafeterias, you know, high school cafeterias without anyone getting uh, shot, anyone getting tased, anyone, Murdered. you know, just. Right, right. Just, just you know, people come up behind them and then put them in a kind of a full Nelson, and that's that. Like you know, it's it's. There's yeah. really literally no reason for him to do that. And he had a fucking taser on him that he could have used. It's, yeah, it just, and they pull up, and within thirty seconds, someone's dead. Like I right. don't understand how people can't assess the situation or figure out what to do. It's like immediate <clears throat> murder machine. Right, and that's, I mean, and you know, we talked about a lot of the, the root causes behind that last week, but it, it's just the type of people that the police department attracts and the type of people that it exactly. uh, runs out. And it, and it's just, that's why we say all cops are bastards, because all cops either are the people that are doing these things or are the people that are fine, ultimately fine with these things. Even if they personally maybe feel uncomfortable with it, they're not going to step up and do anything to stop it. Therefore, they're complicit. So yeah. it's The good know. cops get fired. Right. Or the good cops go full Dorner. Savannah, have you seen the documentary uh, about the move bombing in Philadelphia called Let the Fire Burn? I have not. Right. So the Philadelphia police in 1986, I believe, or 85, they dropped a bomb on this house. uh, Insanity. Yeah. And and it burned down uh, 65 other houses, burned down the whole neighborhood. And while the fire was burning, there were children inside who died. I think all, all but but two people died in that inferno. And a, a young child ran out of the house and tripped and fell, and an officer got up to go grab the kid, save, save the kid's life. And that officer, supervisor said, don't you dare. Let that kid, let that kid lie. Like it was, the kid was lying in like, uh, like a pool of water, oh. right? Because at that point, they finally started to like put water on the fire. And the officer disobeyed his commander and went and saved that kid's life. And there's the, the documentary is like has testimony of all these people. There was like a, a, an inquiry after the fact. And the officer who saved this kid's life uh, was harassed for two years to the point he had PTSD and had to quit. Oh. Like, and it was like they would put like a, you know, take a bullet and put a bullet in his locker, yeah. you know, which is like a clear like, you know. We're going to uh, kill you. We're going to kill right. you or they would uh, spray paint. N-word lover on his locker. <gasps> oh, <clears throat> I 
so yeah, that's what they do to the few good ones. They get rid of them. <laughs> right, right. Of course, yeah. They they get they get you know harassed and and yeah. It, and you even saw recently with that that uh, piece of shit cop in Buffalo who threw the seventy eight year old man mm. down on the ground. The guy behind him comes up to try to pick him up, and one of the other officers like puts him. his arm in his chest and is like, "No, don't pick him up." It's no, just just leave him there for the paramedics to come by. In right, 20 as his fucking head's bleeding out on the curb. The seventy-eight-year-old man, like you know, it, it, it just, oh man. So, you know, this Andrew Brown thing is going to be interesting because North Carolina is not obviously as much of a hotbed for for like protests and activism as as some of these major cities where we're seeing this happen. But I have to imagine when and if and when this tape eventually comes out, uh, shit's going to be crazy. Uh, and hopefully, you know, that happens sooner rather than later because I, 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 they can't fucking just get away with this without without the tape at least coming out. I mean, it's insane. And them pulling up on that truck, <clears throat> it's so terrifying. Like the only footage I really saw was that like the street view of the truck right. with all the cops pulling up to him and they just hop out of the car. And that is just how are people seeing this and not freaking out? That we right. live in an absolute police state. It's psychotic. But Joe Biden wants to fucking throw more money at them. Mm. Wants to throw billions of dollars more money at them. That's like, that's going to fucking solve, you know. It, it's just like, what, what what do we do with the fire? Let's throw some more gasoline on it. It's got to eventually, you know. Exactly. It'll get so hot it'll put itself out. Our uh, Los Angeles is also, the city council keeps voting for more and more funds. I think that, right. I saw something today that they're asking for like 90 grand or something for um, cleaning police boots. <laughs> And Why? Would, liberals do it for free. Why that's, exactly, that's exactly what I said. I was like, bro, they already get them licked clean by so many people. But it's just like insanity. Like we're adding um, already like our, our police budget is over three billion dollars. And that's it's like compared to every other like housing or transportation or culture or anything like that. It's it dwarfs those things. Right. And then what's course. crazy is we have like a housing budget. But thir- like I think it's like thirty million or something goes to LAPD from the housing budget as well. So not only do they have the three billion from the LAPD budget, but they're getting a hefty chunk of the housing budget. It, right. It's well, someone's like- got to police those pores that we put into uh, <laughs> low-income housing. Someone's got to bulldoze their their tents, like <sighs> like you know. Right. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, we, we spend here in Chicago, I mean, I'm not in Chicago at the moment, but I live in Chicago. We spend $30 million a year to make sure that there is a police officer in every single public school in Chicago. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and when we got a nice big stimulus check from the federal government, um, about half that money was discretionary. So it didn't have to go to anything related to COVID. So the mayor uh, took $280 million of that and gave it to the police <gasps> to pay for the overtime for last summer. Lori Lightfoot is such a cartoon villain. It's unreal. Like, she's so <laughs> she's so just cartoonishly evil. I, I kind of can't get over. Right. The I, photos I, of I, her, like <laughs> as yeah, as like the bad guys in old cartoons, is so funny. Right. Oh, in, the, in the fedoras, because she yeah. likes to right, wear a fedora. Yeah, because she actually dresses like that. It's, it's preposterous. But. So I didn't know that I'm neighbors with her. Like, she <gasps> lives less than half a mile from my house. And every time I'd ride by, I was like, why are there always, like, four cop cars parked here? Like, they're just <laughs> right. sitting here idling their engines. And I was like, oh, that, I finally found out. That was, that's where the mayor lives. That's mm. She d- doesn't live in a mansion. She just lives, like, down the fucking street from me. <laughs> so... 
wow. yeah, no. and of course, like they can't guard her house without having their car engines running nonstop for sight. Oh of no! Yeah, Ugh. so I'm just paying taxes to have SUVs sitting there idling to protect a mayor that is just like funneling billions to them. The Chicago police budget is forty percent of the city budget. Just do they not uh, sit I mean, in the lobby of her of her building? Like, does her building not have a lobby? Like, can they not just sit? No, there? it's like, just a house. It's just a regular oh, a fucking house. house. Okay. That's why I was surprised. I was like, oh, that's the that's where the mayor lives. Like that. Oh. It's it's just a little bungalow. Like you wouldn't think anything of it. Well, Mayor Garcetti lives in a mansion with a tennis court, and oh, sure. it's huge and it's beautiful <laughs> and it's within biking distance of me and. Uh, uh, yeah, they always have cops out protecting there, and I'm just waiting. I, I love how you make it sound <laughs> so luxurious. Like I, I'm like, oh, the mayor is gonna. Yeah, I make it just luxurious so- because his ass <laughs> is out there, freaking in his sauna. I'm sure while people are dying in the street. Fucking right. hate his ass. <laughs> well, just just wait till you have Governor Caitlyn Jenner. That'll really <laughs> that'll oh really my. dwarf uh, Eric Garcetti's house. I refuse. I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> like, see, so Newsom getting recalled is definitely, you know, on the surface a good thing, but yes, it could lead to another, yeah, I was you know, about another that. Arnold situation where oh. you end up with fucking Caitlyn Jenner as your as your governor. Which I don't be, know what it is about California uh, and electing celebrities because it's just, just so just vapid. Yeah, it, it just uh, you know, I a promise good we're not all there. like bad that. ones. No, of course, it's always just it's the rich fucking, ones, but there's a lot of them, right? There. Yeah. There's like it's never Matthew McConaughey; it's always Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Matthew McConaughey might end up as Texas governor, so don't don't oh hold your you know, don't hold your breath on we that. We were one. talking last week about how like we don't support we actually don't support Matthew McConaughey as, as president or governor, but we do support his character from uh, True Detectives as. Oh, Russ Cole, <laughs> Russ Cole for for president or oh governor, would it would be amazing? Just yeah. this nihilistic drunk piece of shit. Like, <laughs> um, no, that'd be great. Um, yeah. So, well, you know, and 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 there was another uh, case that I wanted to talk about with with cops, where it, it was again, it was last year, but another piece of. Uh, evidence just came out uh, from it. So, you know, we have the body cam video and we have now station house video mm-hmm. um, in that case in, uh, where is it? Loveland, Colorado, Karen Gardner, who's a 73 year old, 73 year old woman with dementia who uh, was stopped uh, as she was walking back from Walmart on the side of like, it looked kind of like a highway or like a main kind of thoroughfare, you know, turnpike. A place that that only a person with dementia would dare walk. Right, would walk Mm -hmm. on, right, right. Right. But she wasn't in the road. She wasn't, you know, she was just on the grass. She was was perfectly safe, more or less, you know. But but so the reason they were called on her is because apparently she, quote unquote, stole $14 worth of goods from Walmart. Um, which she re- she left with. So again, remember she has dementia. She left and then realized she didn't pay and came back to Walmart <gasps> apparently to try to pay for them, but they wouldn't let her pay for it because that's you know Walmart's fucking. Oh you my know. god, I didn't know that part. Yeah, yep. yeah. So she, <sighs> so some so, manager, and, some manager that wanted to like kiss ass to the company was like, nope, uh, sorry, man, we have to call the police. That's our policy. Welcome to Loveland. Jesus, right. for fourteen dollars. Fourteen and it was dollars. it was like a t shirt, a candy bar, some laundry like detergent, a, and like a soda. Yeah. yeah, like and 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 she so she and she went back and tried to pay because she realized because she's you know has cognitive issues and then so she was leaving and walking back and apparently she was like picking daisies on the side of the road when the cop pulled over and you know started yelling at her and it's clear from the body cam footage that she's not 
fully understanding what's even happening. You know, she's just like, I'm just trying to go home. Like, not really, you know, she's she's mm. definitely having issues. And the cop just immediately grabs her, rips her fucking arm behind her back, and dislocates her shoulder. Oh, she's um, so she she doesn't even say, I'm trying to go home. She just says, I'm going I'm home. Going, I'm, going right, home. I'm going home. I'm going home. Like, she's repeating it, like, clearly doesn't know what's going on. That's the only, yeah, and the only thing she can kind of keep responding her to her. Like, he, he clearly can tell there's something not right about her. Right. But he's performing for his body cam saying, oh, you're not going home. No, you're not. And then he's like, throws her to the ground. And keep in mind, she's 73 years old. Uh, she weighs all of 90 pounds. Very oh frail, God. very skinny. Right. Yeah. And he dislocates her shoulder. Uh, and he, of course, does that thing that all abusers do is say, why are you making me do this to you? Oh why are God. you making me do this to you? He says it right. over and over and over. Why are you doing this? Why are you forcing me to use this force on you? Oh, I'm going to throw um, up. That's crazy. I know. It's, it's horrific. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking horrific. And then, so then they recently leaked somebody. I don't know how they got a hold of this because I can't imagine it would have gotten out of police custody. But maybe some good Samaritan in that office was so horrified by it that they fucking released it. it there's, they, they have like cameras in the station house that actually have audio recording. And there's an audio recording audio and video recording of, of him like immediately after they brought her back and had booked her and you know had her in the holding cell like sitting there watching the body cam footage which of mm-hmm. course they can access immediately which is you know <laughs> not at all an issue and I'm sure that that's not something that they you know do to redact shit all the time but yeah. um, they're watching it and they're all and, and he's like laughing about it and he's like oh wait 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 for the pop wait for the pop like in the video it's like a like you were mentioning like they they mass release things to bury it but it was like a 60 minute video but when you find that clip within the video he he you can you can hear him audibly say wait for the pop to the person watching right. with him the cruelty goes, is oh. the fun part of the job yeah and, and he said right. he and said he loved it like when he heard the pop right. he's like he goes, oh, i love, love it, it. right and then he fist bumped somebody oh it's and fucking disgusting Right. And while they're watching this video, high-fiving each other about, uh, you know, dislocating a 73-year-old woman's shoulder, she's 16 feet away in a cell with her arm dislocated, not getting medical treatment for six hours. Right. She right. can hear them saying that. Right. And, and you know, the grossest thing to me about that video is, is the female cop that was sitting there. She's like... You know, I, I hope you. I hope you don't think I wasn't trying to get involved. Like, you know, I was just, you know, I got shoved away a few times, but I was, I was right up in there. He was like, "Oh no, I saw you. You're right up in there. You were right up in there. Don't worry, I saw you fighting, like, <gasps> fighting, oh. fighting a fucking seventy-three-year-old de- woman with dementia, frail fucking seventy-three-year-old woman with dementia. These these people are fucking animals. Oh like, it, it's just. But that and the whole point is like there. There's like four or five of them in that in that room. They're all watching it. They're all having this conversation. Not a single one even raises an eye. Like, he he says at one point, like, he said something like, oh, did you turn off the camera? Something like that at some point. But, like, so he knows what he does is wrong. But, like, none of it, it the culture is so that they, none of them, like, you could tell she, the woman was probably a little uncomfortable because, but she kept saying to him, like, oh, but no, I was I was right up in there. I was totally fine. She, like, her, her mannerism was to indicate to him, like, I was totally fine with what you were doing. Like, don't you know that I was totally... Right. Fine with what you're it, doing. It's it's football culture. It's the military right. culture. Whoever's yeah. the biggest, strongest bully is who everyone aspires to impress. Exactly. Right. It's disgusting. And what what's crazy on that video too? I didn't watch the body cam footage of her getting absolutely wrecked by these right, people. Yeah, but I watched the um, the inside of the precinct, and right. the, he admitted the one cop. They're like, "Did you read her her Miranda rights?" And he's like, "No, nope, I did not." 
Like, yeah, he said it out, like, it. like proudly. Yeah, yeah right. It's crazy. That whole, and just the, them in the station, like, laughing and joking and just typing up and trying to figure out what words to use. Um, it's, if that, everyone needs to see the footage because it's I, yeah. disgusting and it just shows whatever, you know, the stuff we don't normally see. Right. That, that, was, that, that was, to me, the most interesting thing because we're, we've seen dozens and hundreds of body cam videos of them you know murdering or beating the shit out of snuff films Mm -hmm. yeah right snuff film innocent people but to see that like to see them at their most naked and like honest was was very telling to me like that that just just the vibe of everyone in that room was very interesting and i was i i I had the same thought as you grandmother this this is a fucking white grandmother from the same white suburbs they're from yeah you know like if this is how cruel they are to a white woman yeah. who's frail and right how do you think they treat someone who they think is 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 in, inherently inferior because of their race like how do you think string them to person? the bumper and drag them till their skin oh rips God. off oh that's what they God. used to do that's what they would right. do to every fucking person they, if could, they could if they got away with it <laughs> exactly. right i mean it, it's yeah it, it's really horrific but i had the same thought as you i was watching this i was like <clears throat> if they put this on like the cbs evening news in its entirety along with the body cam video we wouldn't have police departments anymore. Like we would, exactly. they, we, they would understand why we say that you need to abolish the police. Like they would fully fucking understand that this is just a permanently broken fucking institution filled with fucking maniacs Lunatics. and, you know, roid freaks and like ex military guys who just want to keep killing people. Like they just don't, you know, but, but, and people, I really think that you could actually get a lot of more people to understand where we're coming from if they actually all saw the shit like this but exactly because um a lot of times like what i hear on the people who are on the side of police they go oh you wouldn't know what you do in that situation they have a really hard job they're under pressure (laughs) it's a split second decision and now to see see how they react after you know the it's all calmed down and they're just typing up and they're just back at work filling out paperwork exactly that's the shit it's like it's premeditated it's thought out it's joked about another thing that Mm -hmm. freaked me out about that footage was remorseless yeah exactly um they were talking about a uh pedestrian or another civilian who came up and was concerned and they were like can we get a photo of him like i think trying to id him or something and it's like what what do you think they're gonna do with that <laughs> like are they gonna go right, back they're gonna out terrorize him. they're yeah. gonna stalk him they're gonna sit outside his house just like the guy who uh, uh videotaped eric garner's lynching Garner, yeah. mm-hmm. uh they they threw him in jail for marijuana uh they they stalked and harassed him for years um and yeah and, and this the thing about the video uh that bystander that comes up this little old lady was so tiny like 80 90 pounds that he thought it was a child he couldn't oh. didn't have a clear view of it and he was like why did you beat up that little kid that's how tiny she was oh my gosh wow. it's yeah. so devastating <sighs> and that's yeah. that's to the to the point you know like a lot of these videos they have to slow it down frame by frame because what you see in real time is just like split second decision to kill right right well where do they get that train from well largely from the military exactly <laughs> uh 20% of our police are radicalized and trained to be killers by the U.S. military, largest employer, uh, government employer, and I'm sure in the country. A percent. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, have, um, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was gonna say we have a cop influencer in L.A. You know, <laughs> classic. Of course, right. <laughs> this 
motherfucking C-U-N-T, Tony, <laughs> Tony McBride. Um, she is a influencer. She has about 100,000, probably more now, followers on Instagram. And she always is posting videos of herself training. And it's literally like, if that's how the police train, that scares me so much. Because something will pop up and she'll just shoot it right in the head. Something will pop up and she'll shoot it right in the head. And oh, yeah. it's like, how, why are you showing this to people? This is, it's crazy. <laughs> They literally, I mean, there was a bunch of exposés in the last couple of weeks about, like, the training they actually do get. And, and you know, you mentioned 20% of cops are ex-military. I guarantee you the amount of police trainers is probably a lot high. Like, I bet you that 20% oh, yeah. accounts for a very yeah. large well, you, portion you saw of the people video who train of this guy these cops. Who, he's not a police trainer, but he's, like, an inspirational, like, life coach to police. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Telling, telling these, these police officers in this packed auditorium... That killing is fine, and the sex you'll have after you kill someone is the best sex you'll ever have. <sighs> like he's the top that's police trainer in the country. Fucking oh, psychopathic speaker, enough. Yeah. I this it's like it's enough to make you sick. Like it's fucking crazy. It really. <sighs> yeah, yeah. And but but if me little old me posts a meme about burning cop cars, I get banned from Facebook for thirty days. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. It's like, and everybody on the streets that are just like continuously holding hands and singing, <laughs> trying to be like, you know what, police, we should actually just defund the police. You know, not even asking for anything radical. Just like, let's diversify the funds. Just getting the baton to the neck. You know what I mean? Like, it's insane. Right. We can't even. <laughs> well, they, well, the. They'll take a baton to the neck of the, the liberals out there, too, who are like, we need to reform them. We need to train them better. Yeah. They still get a fucking you know, baton to the side of the head for their troubles. Oh, but. yeah. Sure. Well, saw- uh, training them better would be uh, you don't go to the shooting range for 99% of your training. That, that's, <clears throat> that's why they automatically draw that, that lethal weapon and not the taser as a reflex, because mm-hmm. they've trained they, on to the point where it's just like blinking to them. You know, there is no other. There was that other expose where they literally have targets printed up of like women and children to to train them to desensitize them oh, yeah. to to literally shooting and like th- there's one guy i don't know if it was like this is a thing that they do for everybody but at least one guy had them print up a picture of his son <gasps> so that he could desensitize himself so much to the point that he would shoot his own son in the head so he wouldn't hesitate when he was in the field if he needed to "Quote unquote," make the right call. So this is the type of shit that these fucking animals oh, do. Yeah, there was another, another, another fucking shooting where the cop that shot this guy, who had called the police, who was like in a moment of crisis, the same cop had given the guy a ride home to his house an hour earlier. Wow. The exact. This just happened last week. <laughs> it's just. It's like Good Samaritan one minute, and the minute you say, "Oh, there's a situation," gone out, pop there. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, and and it's it's just it is a process of escalation, you know. If you really want to de-escalate a situation, you need to process the information of the situation in real time, and try to slow things down. You know, if somebody's agitated, and you're giving them commands and they're obeying them, you don't rapidly increase the rate of commands. You slow it down. Mm-hmm. What did the officer that shot Adam Toledo did? He kept shouting out commands faster and faster and faster mm-hmm. to the point where even though the kid was already complying he was he shooting the kid hands up yeah he had his hands up no gun in his hand and he's he's shooting the kid in the chest while still yelling drop it drop it oh my god right right and, and i've watched cops de-escalate things i watched an officer in detroit one time there was a uh, homeless man who was like very aggressively panhandling 
And when people were like, no, sir, he got like extremely agitated. And an officer who was uh, that like the Detroit riverfront area is like one huge park area. It runs for miles. But rather than have like, you know, just regular cops patrolling, um, they have unarmed officers in like polo shirts. And they are Detroit police, but they're there to not make it seem like it's this like huge top down, you know, military force. And I watched this black officer approach this guy, never laid a hand on him, just kind of put his hands out and was, was like, had his hands up walking towards him. Never touched him, but just made it clear that, like, all right, guy, you got to go. Like, you, I understand you're upset, right. but it's time for you to leave the park. And the guy just, like, kept backing up and backing up and backing up and finally left. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, if that was an armed officer, he would have been tased, shot, killed, <laughs> you know. Well, but this officer he, used these yeah. other tools, which was being persuasive, you know, making it clear that he wasn't he was going to keep slowly advancing but not escalate anything and give the guy the choice to leave on his own. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a, what an image that you can just never even imagine now is a cop walking towards someone with their ha- their hands up like that's yeah. the the universal sign of like everything's cool, but literally like a cop if he saw his fellow partner did, doing that would probably backhand him with his fucking pistol like what are you doing? Don't ever show weakness. What the fuck is yeah. wrong with you? Like that's just that's just the ops. Like th- that sounds like his human instincts kicked in, which is completely antithetical to his cop training which is well neutralize the situation as quickly as yeah. possible meaning end the situation as quickly I, it as was possible. like I, I i worked there at the time and i i saw this entire thing transpire it was right there and i was kind of blown away i was like that should be every interaction the police have with somebody right. who's homeless should be like that um but you know i mean detroit's 85 percent black you know it's it's you know just huge majority black population and uh when I lived there, I had a cable guy come to install everything, and you know, when they're booting up your your thing, sometimes you got some downtime just to kind of like chill <laughs> while your cable guy's yeah. just kind of like do 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 do. <laughs> and I was just like, "So, how do you like Detroit?" <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Yeah." He, he was like, "Man, I lived in a lot of cities, and this is the only city that I f- can feel safe walking down the street." Oh. Because, yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine that kind of thing. And he, he, you know, he said he'd lived in a bunch of other cities too. And he was like, "This is the only st- city where I don't fear for my life from the police walking down the street every day." Hmm. It's Interesting. insane. It's crazy. How, like, police don't ever make anyone feel safer. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just like unless they're rich. <laughs> well, yeah, unless they're like oh, yeah, true. rich white people. But but other than that, yeah, <laughs> us, us normal folks who don't have fucking you know massive inheritances don't quite understand uh the feeling of, of of a cop showing up making things feel safer and not com- immediately escalating our anxiety well know? i mean you know after a long day the they come home of you know long day protecting serving they come home and you know walk into the wrong apartment and it's just you know part of the job that they shoot you if they uh, get right. lost yeah it's your fault for being in the in the right apartment that they thought was the wrong apartment you know insane why why were you in your apartment what were you doing Whatever um, happened with that? Did that? It was a lady, right? That lady cop. Oh yeah, she yeah. went to jail. Let's go. She went, to, she went to fucking jail, and the the judge was a black woman, and came up and hugged her when she <gasps> sentenced her. Right. What? I mean. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember that, man. <laughs> okay. I, I can't. Uh, that's because they just crazy. can't. Be. Right. Right. But that's. But that's. That's, you know, the, the, the liberal answer to it is always just, you know, oh, we'll show them empathy and give more training and try to understand their plight and understand that it's a hard job. And 
just, you know, again, just completely, you know, sticking their head in the shark's mouth and just hoping that they're going to appeal to his good nature. And, and you know, um, and then the shark, meanwhile, is like, I'm a fucking shark. What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to bite your head off because I'm right. a shark. Like, And when they sentence Derek Chauvin, he's probably going to get seven years with good behavior. Mm. He'll be out in three. Yeah. Oh, yep. my God. Well, hopefully his time in jail will be very pleasant. Uh <laughs> It's it's really crazy. Like, um, I, so I am a member, or I guess a volunteer of this um, group. I think they're all over the country, but we have a faction in LA. It's Say their names, LA. And every Tuesday night, we um, <clears throat> we g- give like a, it's a clubhouse on that clubhouse app where we have the families of people who've been you know killed or affected by police brutality or violence. Um, speak on what happened, their side of the story, what they're dealing with now, their court um, cases and all that stuff. And most of the time, every single family that we've spoken to, they're constantly harassed before, like after everything. So they can't even have like, um, you know, like they'll be having a funeral for their loved one and cops will be slowing down, driving by laughing in their face. Um, it's really fucking crazy, but I brought up that point because we were talking about a case in 2016 last night and, um, the jury found the cops, um, were wrongful and they, they did the chokehold and they killed a houseless man in a parking lot of a 7-Eleven for, you know, nothing. He was literally walking to the laundromat and some fucking B word called the cops being like, I'm being followed. And uh, it turns out she wasn't. He was walking in the same direction as her. And the cops just immediately, guns drawn, pulled in. He had no idea why he was under arrest. Of course, he's resisting. Um, and they kill him. So the jury found the cops were wrong. The city awarded them $13 million for his children. Um, it was it was what you would think would be justice. But the cops, who um, basically went like WWE on him, like uh, they're still on the force. Of course, yeah. <laughs> the city was well, like, yeah, that, we did wrong. That's why they call it the force, because they use force. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's the whole... <laughs> uh, it's just, like, crazy right, right. that a lot of these cops, it's like we, ho- we hold them accountable. Or, you know, even a cop who was completely out of their bounds and was completely voted, like, all in favor of them being guilty... Um, they can still just be like, well, I still have my job. I pro- they probably got promoted, like... Yeah, you no have a revolving door between uh, city and county cops too. You know, you have yeah. one. You know, they, we got to fire this city cop because he beat up this guy. It's like, oh, I'm going to go work for the county. I, where I grew up, there was one officer in particular who had uh, gotten fired like five times, and he would just go from the city to the county and back and forth. Oh you know, he never got prosecuted, but they would fire him. And then when he got fired from the county, the city would rehire him again. So it was just, right. it's well, it's. It's, I've never it's, the, uh, it's the feature, not the bug. There's no, no yeah. other job that's like that. No other job. <laughs> no, no. That's crazy. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Well, there's one other job you can escape complete accountability uh, for anything that you do wrong, and that is, of course, the office of president oh, of the yeah. United States. <laughs> yep. So uh, I do. Nice I do segue, wanna... by the way. That was good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I do, do want to mention that we were going to talk about it last week. We kind of ran short on time, but. Um, so you know, we we've talked for for seemingly the entirety of, of our of the life of our podcast about this effort, this this liberal effort to um, rehabilitate George W. Bush uh, and his reputation, right? Uh, so it's sickening. You know, 
it continues. Uh, he was on uh, Nora O'Donnell's show uh, last Sunday, and uh, you know they, they had him in this cutesy little art studio uh, surrounded by his terrible paintings. Um, I, I don't know if you saw that article, by the way. I think it was in like Slate or something. It was like uh, George W. Bush campaign his way out of hell. Um, uh, but I, I really like that title. But yeah. Um, so. Yeah, this is him talking about uh, compassionate conservatism and, and, and you know whether or not it still exists. Do you, have a, you have a clip we're going to listen to here? Yeah, yeah. I have a clip right. we're going to listen to here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll compare it with some of his, uh, some of his verbiage uh, during his time as president when he was a compassionate conservative. So here, let's, let's play this audio from this last Sunday. You ran as a compassionate conservative. I did. <laughs> Do you believe there are compassionate conservatives today? Absolutely. I'm one. And I think there are a lot. Uh, the problem is, uh, w- with an angry society, uh, it, it, it's hard to punch through with compassion. Mm-hmm. Is it an angry society, or is it a certain leaders and people who've stoked that anger and fear? I think there's a, that's an interesting question. Uh, I'm a big leadership guy, and, and so therefore I, I think maybe, <laughs> maybe the latter part of your question is true, that people stoke anger in order to advance their apolitical agenda. Uh, I do believe there is a more, uh, well, my dad spoke kinder and gentler, uh, and he truly believed it. And I believed in uh, unifier, not divider. And, and, and they, they just can't be empty slogans. You have to believe it in order to be credible. Uh, I think uh, that, yes, it's going to require leadership to help heal, heal wounds. I do love how he still talks like he's been hit in the face with a shovel, like right before he's he goes on to to say something. But. I mean, he's just. Sorry, go ahead. So. Oh, I just. It, it, there's. I'm at a loss for words for so many things that happen, but just this. Yeah, the rehabilitation of him and just compassionate. How in the, the balls of this guy? Like really. I, the audacity. <laughs> It's crazy. And I was just looking up because he was also on Jimmy Kimmel recently. Oh, yeah, of course. And somebody tweeted like, oh, my gosh, George Bush may have been like not the brightest, you know, crayon, but he sure did make us laugh on Jimmy Kimmel. Like this man (laughs) didn't kill millions of innocent people, botched Katrina aid. You know what I mean? It's like, oh. Right, just 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 committed mass atrocities. One of the, one of the worst war criminals of of the modern, yeah. you know. And the thing that is being presented here is not that we have to rehab George Bush. It's that we have to rehab his critics. There's something wrong with his critics. The people that wanted to hold him accountable for, uh, you know, attaching electrodes to people's genitals in Abu Ghraib, uh, CIA torture, waterboarding. Um, you know, the people who have a problem with that, they're the smug ones. They're the ones right. that are angry. They're the ones who are being divisive. Not George W. Bush. He's a uniter, not a divider. He's a, I'm a leadership kind of guy. I love what he says that. Because he, he totally doesn't believe that. He knows he's no. not. He, knew, he knows that Dick Cheney and Rumsfeld were the people in charge of everything. And I love that he, he says it, you know, and, and to quote Game of Thrones, anyone that has to say they're the real king is not the real king. <laughs> right, right. Get him. <laughs> right. So, you, so here, we have, I also have a clip uh, of, of Bush's time, actually, when he was in office. So let's see if he displays some of that trademark <laughs> compassionate conservatism he was, uh, he was referring oh, to. Man. There are some who feel like that uh, if they attack us, that we may decide to leave prematurely. They don't understand what they're talking about if that's the case. Let me finish. 
Um, there are some who uh, feel like that, you know, the conditions are such that they can attack us there. My answer is bring them on. We got the force necessary to deal with the security situation. Of course, we want other countries to help us. Great Britain is there. Poland is there. That's where the clip ends. Um, yeah, so he, he's just a fucking just a fucking moron who, who you know, was always completely in over his head and had no idea what the people around him were doing. But he's just he's, he's such a lying piece of shit. And he and he he, he truly can't, he's trying to paint his way out of hell right now. And it's like he can't he, he literally like I, I genuinely want to know, like when he lays his head down on his pillow at night, if he understands the breadth of like what he is actually responsible for and the millions of civilian deaths he's responsible for. And if he even like, you know, thinks about it or gives a shit or even a part of him fucking understands what he, the, the fucking havoc he unleashed on, on he the fucking does. Middle East. He does. Cause he's lying to himself desperately every day. The way he's, his nervous little laughter, people like Kissinger, <laughs> people like Dick Cheney, they're like, yeah, we killed millions of people. And that's the price you pay to stay on top. Like they're the ones that are fine with it. George exactly. W. Bush is a, is a deeply insecure, untreated alcoholic. Right. right. And right. that kind of pathology, that kind of denialism is it, like it's e- clearly eating at him <laughs> that he's out there like, please, Nora Jones. Right. That's why uh, he's trying uh, so hard to give me a platform to... where I can Look put my, my like, you know, literally wall of paintings behind there, you know, and none of them are his victims from Iraq, you know, and no, his whole thing, like there's people that want to attack us <sighs> in their country. Like, how do you attack someone who invaded your country? How does that right, work? right? Someone, someone, a less yeah, a less charitable person may call that defending, but I don't know. You know that. What makes... is this Parisian resistance to our fucking SS Luftwaffe? <laughs> right, right. Was, I mean, I'm here next to the Eiffel Tower, and there's people shooting at me. I'm fucking Hitler. Don't they realize that I'm? It's you know, it's incredible. Yeah. The like, the you know the mental gymnastics and the the what people in America this like American exceptionalism this individualist idea that like violence is equal there's like equal violence you know what right. i mean like we are the aggressors in almost every case but like god forbid someone bites back that's like not okay right and th- right. it's just well, and we're so we're so belligerent about it too that we just we project our aggression on everybody else we're the only country that's waged nuclear war but we're like oh iran can't you can't have <laughs> nuclear weapons you might use them right Right. Can you imagine the, a country the, that would use nuclear weapons? What kind of right. monsters they would be? Like, well, and and it's like you know our our fear of uh, alien civilizations is always like, oh, they would kill us. They would just like wipe us out because we just like we're so, you know, <laughs> like, that's, 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 we, that's our gestalt, right? Yeah. We're so afraid, you know. But but what's what's interesting though? Um, I'm a big fan of the show uh, The Crown because it's very critical of the royal family and, oh, is and it? not so much the individual. Oh, very. I, I very. like watched it because I'm like so tired of these like bourgeois aristocratic. Like I'm just like I don't care about these people's problems. But it's it's yeah it's not like Downton Abbey. This is like uh, John Lithgow as as Churchill. They show him to be like the racist, bloated, drunk asshole he really was. Let's go. Uh, Gillian Anderson <laughs> plays Thatcher. Oh my God. So I was like, uh, please don't girl power Thatcher. And they don't. They Fuck fucking yes. show her to be like just the worst right. fucking uh, austerity. The, one of my favorite scenes is when um, one of the uh, a, a colony of, of England uh, decides they want to be independent. And there was a scene where they, they like tear down uh, the, this painting of the 
queen and put up a painting of Lenin, and I'm just like, yes, oh yes, my yes. <laughs> they do that. Uh, it's oh. in the show. Oh it's my in gosh. the show. Goals. The, Goals. The show is actually like it takes a very kind of eco-socialist lens to wow. the history of uh, colonialism and the royal family, and shows what a you know even if like normal people get in the royal family, how the institution destroys them and turns them into like bitter, petty, awful people. Mm. Um, but one of the things that you know the queen has always kind of did was to really make colonialism palatable at a time when all these countries were trying to go independent, you know? And so she, you know, the word, the idea, the ideology that she was always trying to promote was the Commonwealth, right? Mm. Of course, (laughs) the wealth was never shared commonly, (laughs) but it's a nice idea, you know? The the idea that, like, oh, we're all these nations, we're all in this together, Commonwealth, really, it was about exploiting the resources of those countries to make people rich. It's funny that they have to try to, yeah, use communal verbiage, like, oh, it's great, we'll all share, it'll be a a communal, almost a communistic sort of situation (laughs) where we share everything with each other. But but that's That's why it lasted so long, is because they knew how to sell it to people. (laughs) Yeah, and (laughs) They, really thought. they like promoted this like oh we also need to bring democracy and the free world to these <laughs> savages or something right. like that oh, it was yeah. always like they were being the they're always mm-hmm. painting themselves as the good guys so you literally you feel like you White know it's burden. like yeah exactly it's like george bush too being like compa- he's a compassionate leader it's <laughs> <We're sorry. laughs> Every every time I hear white man's burden, I can't help but think of Jack Nicholson just walking around with the fucking axe in the shining, just like <laughs> muttering white man's burden to himself. Oh as my he's god! Like, um, well, so in in keeping with the you know rebranding of Bush and trying to make imperialism more palatable, there was an article that came out this week in Slate that sort of masquerades itself as criticism of Bush and the war, but also uh, basically. You know, says if you were against the war from the beginning, there was something wrong with you because most Americans were for it originally. Um, and I don't know if you have that article up here, Anthony. Yeah. Oh, what, did did you want me to to, to read from it or? Uh, well, I I mean, you had um, there was well, uh, so was an Adam H. Johnson oh, a journalist yeah, well, who had some critiques of that. Well, so I mean, basically, th- this article uh, was written by. Um, uh, what was her name? Noreen Malone. Um, and it was an interesting article, but I, I do want to give people context because uh, she is she is the host of a pod, uh, podcast called Slow Burn uh, that right now is doing uh, they do like a political story each season of their podcast. It's one of those like episodic podcasts as like a 10 episode season. They cover like one topic. Uh, for the whole season, which is I actually find to be a really cool medium in certain cases. Like I, I listened to a really good uh, like 10 episode uh, podcast about the Manson murders and like really going in depth on like the whole lead up to it and like the, you know, all the followers spawn around shit like that. That was really good. But um, she is currently doing uh, a, a season on the Iraq war. And, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, uh, if it, I, I like, I'm not going to be like, oh, she's CIA, but like, she's just very much internalized the the liberal kind of revisionism around the Iraq War. So, and I actually want to read out uh, this this little tweet thread that Adam Johnson uh, put together. He is the uh, co-host of Citations, which is another podcast. Well, maybe we should just. I have a couple. Oh yeah, you want, the article okay, itself sure, first, absolutely. and then we'll jump into that. And and this is you know again, it's like the the people that. Noreen Malone cites as being pro-war are 
terrible people, but mm. she's presenting them as though like this is the you know rational center of the nation, mm. right? Right. So this is this is just this drives me crazy. It's now almost universally accepted. Like, well, now okay, it only took twenty years to get it right. Okay. Uh, right. It's now almost universally accepted that the war was a grotesque mistake. But at the time, a lot of Americans who were paying much closer attention to the debate than I ever was were in favor of the war. So she's implying that, like, if you paid attention, you must have been in favor of it. That's just, uh. you're the policymakers. And not just Republicans, but three quarters of Americans, more than half the Democratic senators, and former President Bill Clinton favored the war. Oh. Jeez. Uh, right, right. Say no more. What was I doing out in the streets in 2003? Current President Joe Biden was the fucking biggest cheerleader yeah. among the Democrats in the Senate for the Iraq the Democrat, War. The Democrats are the voice of reason. Right. right. Oh so God. liberal journalists here, she continues, liberal journalists at publications where I would go on to work, not to mention the editor of The Atlantic, the editor of The New York Times, uh, or I'm sorry, the editor of The New Yorker, and the future executive editor of The New York Times, thought invading Iraq was necessary. So, uh, again, all those publications are fucking garbage. Yeah. And she's putting <laughs> right. them up as, like, on a pedestal. See? Like, oh, you listen to NPR, don't you? Well, the Atlantic <laughs> New Yorker. Uh, my husband, like me, was a senior in high school. But he was the kind of teenager who spent time in the school library reading back issues of the New Republic. Yeah. Uh, uh, clearly a relatable teenager doing normal teenage things. <laughs> right. Like, like just, really uh, I hope I get a job at a think tank where I can tell people that war's good. Uh, yeah, just you know, I hope that I hope he got fucking wedged and shoved in his locker oh, yes. on a daily Straight basis. Up. Uh, oh, so she she says he supported the war on humanitarian interventionalist grounds, like a lot of writers <laughs> at those magazines. What? How does so, that even? That makes no sense. It's, it's, again, if you were against that war back then, you were the smug person. You had no right to be critical because the majority supported it, like my husband, who went to the library and read back issues of the New Republic while everybody cool was out smoking cigarettes and doing Like her husband, Matt, Matt Iglesias, presumably, sitting <laughs> right. in the back oh of the library. So she continues here, lots of people who argued against the war... Uh, thought they were probably uh, thought that there probably were chemical or biological weapons in Iraq. They just didn't think that, that was reason enough for an invasion. That also is not true, because everyone I knew back then, little old me and all my friends, knew that Iraq no, was didn't have weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, and the reason right. I knew that they didn't was because George Bush was saying they did. <laughs> and if they're saying something, <laughs> as the reason to go to a war, I've studied enough U.S. history to know that whatever the fucking reason they're telling you is a blatant fucking lie. Yeah. Gulf of Tonkin, you know, Korea, Viet, ripping babies out of the it. incubators in Iraq during the exactly. first Gulf War. Yeah, you know. So then she poses this as a question, as though this is was some kind of weird, quirky oddity. How did so many Americans, decision makers, and commentators, liberals and conservatives, you uh, ro- I don't know what the word she's saying here. Erudite, erudite humanist. I don't know. Erudite. That words. Yeah, uh, and jingoistic hawks all think that it was a good idea for the United States to invade Iraq and depose Saddam Hussein. What were the conditions of American political life at the time that made that catastro- or made that cat- <laughs> catastrophe possible? Gee, I don't know. <laughs> what, what could it be? Could it have been a complicit media that completely yeah. fucking, you know, Absolutely. set up volleyballs for George Bush to spike to the fucking ground? Like, I don't know. What could it be? Insane. And she goes on to say that, yes, the media climate was one that was like excluding anti-war voices, but she's still, she's setting it up as though 
you know, it was purely just people that were, you know, believed they well, were meaning. WMDs and wanted war, and people that believed their W were WMDs and didn't want war. And not people that right. saw through all that bullshit and were opposed to it and knew they were being lied to, just, just right. categorically. It's, it's just framing the Overton window to say that, well, obviously the only two acceptable sides of the debate were, you know, these people who believed that there were weapons of mass destruction didn't want war, and these people who w- believed there were weapons of mass destruction did want right. war, and anyone else is completely outside the realm of, of, of public right. discourse. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, why would and, you... And, and she boots it up as though this was a national mistake that we all right. participated in. Ugh. This was That was not the case. February 15, 2013, I'm sorry, 2003, was the largest global day of protest in world history. Oh, wow. Right? There, were pro- there were protests. I was out there. I was out there. It was 10 degrees that day. And 5,000 people turned out in a city of only 100,000 people where I lived at the time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this, was, this, was, this was protested in 600 cities in 60 different countries, and it was estimated upwards of 10 million people participated. I guess that didn't make the textbooks, uh, the history <laughs> textbooks. Of course not. Of course not. They, they want you to believe that the opposition was fringe, like they always do, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, oh, how did we make this mistake again and again and again for the last 400 years? It's, it's, oh, let's, let's do a podcast about that. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, so she hosts this podcast, Slow Burn, which is basically just liberal apologia for American empire. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to read this, this tweet thread that Adam Johnson put together. He's, uh, he used to work at FAIR, which is Fair, Fairness and Accuracy and Reporting. He's a really good media critic. Uh, he he also now hosts Citations Pod, which is uh, you know uh, a left podcast. Um, but he um, went through and listened to this uh, uh, you know dreck of a podcast that so we don't have to. Um, so <laughs> thank you for your uh, service. This is- <laughs> right, thank you for your service. Uh, so this is his his tweet thread about it. Uh, Slow burn Iraq episode one is liberal imperialist revisionism at its finest. The whole episode is about Chalabi. That's Ahmed Chalabi, who's the the resistance. Uh, I, I'm, this is me editorializing. That's the resi- the uh, he was basically the 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 quote unquote resistance that the U.S. used as like the excuse to you know say oh well we got to prop him up we got to get rid of Saddam and prop Chalabi up and his. You know, uh, so uh, the whole episode is about Chalabi convincing and tricking the U.S. into regime change. The CIA is bumbling. The U.S. foreign policy blob indifferent and purely reactive. Chalabi, uh, Chalabi is the primary mover of everything. Stumbling empire set to max, meaning the trope of stumbling empire, which mm. is a very common, you know, liberal um, portrayal to, to excuse the willing and, you know, uh, purposeful yeah. atrocities that we commit. Um, it has stum- it has the it has all the stumbling empire tropes thus far. Uh, suppose this could change, but not sure about that. It is extremely petty to start a pod. Uh, uh, is it extremely petty to start a podcast series just to counter another podcast? Absolutely. Uh, are the recent efforts to soft pedal the greatest crime of my generation a worrying trend that I think carries with it broader ideological claims of rebranding liberal interventionism? Also, yes. Um, so the. Uh, what he's referring to is the podcast that came before this, uh, Blowback, which is a great fucking podcast. I've only listened to a couple episodes. I, I, it, I, it's hard to find time to listen to podcasts, honestly. But I do, um, I, I listened to it and I really enjoyed it. And 
blowback is literally a podcast that describes itself in the the podcast description as a podcast about american empire so you know they're they're, they're not going to be on there you know doing fucking uh apologetics for for the shit that we did and they did a whole season on iraq and theirs is a lot uh more accurate and it's it's obviously from a leftist uh perspective that is skeptical and understanding of u.s empire and the way they lie to to further their goals so that was a very popular podcast and then the slow burn uh season is clearly just you know trying to do the the liberal version of that um and and you know <laughs> succeeding if you know at their goal but it's it's fucking terrible of course. Um, people want to yeah. see the aaron sorkin version of abby hoffman that's just right how we come i'm with so glad he lost the bad picture guy. the other night by the way <laughs> Oh yeah! I'm so yeah. glad he fucking lost, <laughs> and he had to clap for whoever fucking won. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we, I I saw Nomadland, and I was like, "There's no way this isn't gonna win Best Picture because it's just it's it like it's Oscar. It's good, but it's so but Oscar, it's Oscar bait, bait that there's like no way they couldn't." Uh, oh, Francis yeah. Norman lives out of a van. Is you know. <laughs> Fun fact about that: obviously, it's a movie about homelessness. Uh, they actually displaced an entire houseless community to. Uh, you know, have that award show. So go L.A. Right, right, <laughs> right. Just, just. I thought you were going to say they displaced an entire homeless community to, like, shoot a homeless no. community in the movie. <laughs> Literally just for the yeah. award. Just for that terrible fucking, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. We live in right. hell. So what's the, there was uh, just a, a court ruling that um, the city of Los Angeles has to house everyone on Skid Row. Yeah. Within, like, the next six months. Have you heard about I, those? I, gosh, you know when you like take a break from Twitter and you come back and you don't know anything? Yes. <laughs> like yes. that happened. Like four <laughs> hours and I'm like, where am I? I'm What's yeah, happening? Yeah. Lost People are words. making insane jokes about you know stuff I don't right. understand. Yeah. So I, I went on vaca- vacation with my uh, boyfriend to uh, help his sister find an apartment in Portland, and the whole <laughs> his thing. He literally sat me down and he's like, "You have to promise me." You're not going to go to any actions. I know you want to go to an action. <laughs> I was like, come on. Um, so no actions. And I was trying my hardest to like be present and not be on my phone. So that right. it was during the week um, with uh, that. Uh, the I don't know how to say it. Micaiah. Yeah, it was, it was during that whole week, the hell week. And like it was so hard for me to stay off my phone. But I did. And um, I missed a lot of what L.A. said about the... Um, housing all yeah. the people on Skid Row, but I know that anytime LA does something that sounds good and sounds progressive and sounds great, that's usually, the, there's usually something so terrible and so nefarious about it. So um, I haven't looked too much into it, but I cannot trust this city to do anything, the right thing for anything. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. And I'm sure that they will, you know, the city will try to appeal that ruling because they don't want to actually do any of those right. things. Right. The, they'll yeah. do everything they can well, to get around they, actually doing that. They built in North Hollywood a bunch of tiny homes, and the tiny homes cost the city $2,600 per person. So they could have literally saved money by putting people into apartments that are already empty or hotels that are already right. empty. We're refusing to use the FEMA money. It's just like, that's a whole other conversation, but. A little side note on that. It's just crazy. <laughs> right. It, it, it's kind of even boggles the mind as to like what the rationale even is. Yeah. Like for, for just not doing it. Like I can't even like even like with my understanding of how cynical and, and you know, shitty the, like the capitalists that run the government are. I still can't fully wrap my head around like here's money to give these people houses and like just they just won't do it. Like it. 
I don't understand the rationale, but you know, I, I I can't think like that, so I don't I don't yeah. know if I'll ever fully understand. It's crazy. Well, they always seem to want to address the problems with like a big project they can cut the ribbon on. Exactly. Right? Right. Well, of, of course, right. It's Instead like painted cute colors and like, wow, look, tiny homes. So exactly you know? right. So the, just it, like it, the show. Ugh, if yeah. you're the politician, you can go, oh, look at the big projects, even though you know that if you centralize a bunch of <clears> poor <throat> people in one area, then all the neighbors are like, we don't want it here. You know, mm-hmm. if you've seen the uh, was it HBO or Showtime, the uh, series Show Me a Hero about the public uh, housing so uh, opposition in Yonkers, New York, back Yonkers. in the 80s. Uh, I mean, you want to see you want to see some real fucking racist uh, homeowners. <laughs> probably, uh, like, yeah. If you describe yourself as a homeowner, there's a good chance you're a racist. <laughs> <laughs> they still um, live there, by the way. I, I, I'm very aware of those people. My, a good, and I'm not, not saying my family is, but my family all live in Yonkers, and I know a lot of their mm-hmm. neighbors are, are, are even like very close to that neighborhood where all that took place. So it's... it's yeah. Yeah, it hasn't changed much, yeah. put it that way. We had issues with that with the display, displacement of the uh, entire population at Echo Park Lake recently. Um, mm. All of the liberals with the, in this house, we believe <laughs> Black Lives Matter, love always right. wins. All those people were like cheering on the city for kicking out all the, the people in the oh, park. Yeah. It's like... And it's crazy. Our our houseless population is like I, I don't know the exact percentage, but it's a really high percentage of them are black indigenous people of color. You know, like right. Right. and them going like, oh, you know, we're not racist, but get not in my neighborhood. Like, exactly. Right. Trans lives matter unless they're camping out in a tent near me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> unless they're inconvenient to me for for, right. for a brief. Exactly. And if there's two, you know, I mean that the, the scene from They Live where the police come in with the bulldozers and just like literally bulldoze the homeless camp and it, like that's presented. I used as to think that was fictional. No, it's like, real. Right. It is like, oh no, we really do that we, every that's, day. That's right. Real life. Every day. You know, I. I literally remember the first time I saw that movie. I was like, "Oh my god, this is horrific!" Can you imagine if the and this is when I was young and I didn't yeah. know any better. And I was like, "Can you imagine if the cops really did that?" And I'm like, "Oh no, I've seen them do that a hundred times. Like that's just what that's just their mo." By the way, right. yeah. super fun side note um, or super small side note. I was watching A and E did a Roddy Piper documentary recently. He actually grew up homeless on the streets of L.A., Whoa. so that's why he was so good at like kind of embodying that role <laughs> right that's why he was so good at walking next to train tracks with a duffel bag you could just <laughs> right. see it in him <laughs> but no but he had that look of hit like he had like a look in his face that was like i'm not you know a fucking hollywood you know like he he's not a well-trained actor but like he managed to really pull that role off because i feel like he just you know it was able to access a lot of his lived-in experiences yeah. for that role which is why it's his only major film role everything else he did was like you know and just, to Frogtown and you know <laughs> just, just also just a love letter to uh, you know professional wrestlers becoming actors like the back alley brawl scene in that movie that goes on for like so eight good. minutes so you're good. like so oh my god this is just like <laughs> it's the like best, the best probably the, the best, best fight scene fight maybe scene in movie history I haven't right. seen it Oh, oh we, it's a we, great. We should, we should review that. We did it like years ago before Comrade was even on the show. But we should all review that on the show. Oh my gosh! That'd yeah, what's it? Good, uh, what's it uh, Carpenter, John Carpenter, did John Carpenter, one, uh, who did it's, Halloween um, and did the thing. Um, but they live is is like a very uh, class conscious political. It's, it's probably the most openly anti-capitalist uh, movie of the Reagan era. Oh, wow. I would have to. Yeah. Or certainly the most popular one. Or the mo- like you know. Huge cult movie though. It's it's only about you know like maybe an hour and a half long, not a real long movie, and it's it like it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it's still like a movie that would never get made today. <laughs> oh yeah, 
no studio would give that movie money, so that'd be a fun thing to review again. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, so I, I thought that was funny. I saw that the other day. But anyway, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to cut right, well, off the George Bush slander. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, no. I, I, I pretty much said my piece on Bush. I mean, he's well, a piece so of shit. We're and we're all from kind of different age groups, and I, you know, I was already pretty much an adult when uh, you know the Iraq War started. Anthony, you're what? You're like ten years younger than me. Uh, 32-ish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had to think about it. I had to count. I was like, 30, yeah, 32. Mm, I, I, I'm at that age where you, stop, where you stop remembering your age, where it's not like yeah. important anymore. <laughs> you're like, um, but yeah, yeah. So, so thereabouts. Uh, yeah, so I was, uh, let's see, 88, 98. Uh, I was like 13 on 9-11. So yeah. like I was very, very young and not politically aware. I was just I was like in fifth vaguely grade. aware. I don't know. How, okay, I don't yeah, know how so. old that is, but I'm 29, so I was in like fifth grade. Right. And I I remember it was obviously very traumatizing as a child because it was like they definitely didn't beat around the bush. They like sat all the kids down and talked to us about it. Um, but I still remember like my parents have always been like big lefties, and my grandparents are big lefties as well. Um, so I, I I always had that like. I guess like thought in my mind that the whole war, like why would, why would we need to go to war? You know what I mean? Like, right. and just like from a basic, ch- like understanding of a child, like war didn't make sense to me. Like the fact that we were fighting over who was going to like hurt who first. And right. I don't know, just war. Ne- I've always been like a huge pacifist in that sense. Um, but that, that, that was like so traumatizing. And then coming to age, learning that like, uh, you know, going to all the 9-11 conspiracies on YouTube and shit, like, it's just, it was, uh, you know, crazy. And listening to Anti-Flag at that time, I was like, fuck George Bush. I was like fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I remember like the, what American Idiot came out. Yeah. That was like the biggest thing. That was like, on, I, I know people love to shit on Green Day now, but that was like my first real entree into like oh. anti-war like sentiment because that was so not in in pop culture at the time exactly. you know like oh my gosh i almost for, i always forget about that like yeah green day american idiot was my first step into that i always like attribute it to anti-flag but i definitely listened to green day before i listened to anti-flag right and like you know i mean the only like the dixie chips chicks like tried for like two seconds to be, you know make the, like the what dip now? a toe in that the, the dixie, dixie chips. Oh, they're the, now just the said- chicks <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sorry. The chicks, the chicks tried to <laughs> um, tried to dip their toe in that water and were like, you know, canceled. fucking destroyed yeah. for it. Before canceling um, was a thing, they got straight up canceled. Right, right, they got, right. But canceled by the same people who complain and cry about cancel culture every ten fucking seconds. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but it, it just really fucking horrible like time when you look back on it now, like just the gross fucking level of of patriotism mm-hmm. and just unquestioning uh submission to the to the whims and to the um propaganda that we were being fed wow by the government by the state department you know so it, true it's, just, it's crazy like i'm now for some reason i just like i don't think too much before obama like cuz that was when i came into my like political era obviously we were pretty young right. during all the bush stuff but now like right. during this conversation i'm having flashbacks and <laughs> holy shit was america red white and blue and oh my oh, god man we had the f- that was crazy 
we had the flags in the back back windows of the car. Do you remember that? That was a big thing. The where ribbon I lived. magnets. Everyone, remember all the, the ribbon magnets. Troops ribbon magnet oh, craziness. Good lord! Oh, and, oh and people God. would buy the two flags that you'd like put in your window yeah. and roll up the window. Like so insane. Be, oh, I remember uh, on the radio they were playing um, that because my parents so funny because they they did we listen I listened to country a lot growing up so that's why I loved the dicks or the chicks. Um, but there was this country <laughs> song that my mom absolutely like hated. It's like the one that's like, "We'll stick a boot in your ass." It's oh yeah, American yeah, Toby way. Keith. Yeah, right. I like so that boot. song came out and they played it all the time. They played it at, like football boot games. Your ass. That's the American yeah, way. We'll bomb that, that was you. like the fucking anthem. Oh my god. You know, Toby Keith, uh, you know, didn't want to be a hypocrite. So he, of course, signed up to go be, a, you know, the front line, the Marines. To go oh, into. oh, he didn't do that? No, he just went over there for a USO show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee Greenwood, who, uh, you know, did that NASCAR song. You know, I proudly, proudly rise up and fight next to you. Well, not me, but oh, like my yeah. neighbor's kid will. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I made it metaphorically. I didn't really mean I would come fight with you. Oh, God. Um, God, what a bad time in pop culture. I totally, like, really I blocked all of it out. I'm literally know, just remembering so... it all now, and I'm like, oh. Oh, God. I remember Horror that That was like, yeah, being in fifth grade and everyone saying the Pledge of Allegiance, that was the first time I ever like was like, I'm not standing for this. And like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> nice. Sorry, I'm like having a moment right now. I totally like am now in the 2000s. Like, I feel like <laughs> everything's been open. The curtain has lifted. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, it's now. it's like interesting. That, I can't believe that was twenty years. It's horrible. You know, you you were sort of radicalized by the Iraq War when you were in fifth grade. <laughs> I was radicalized in fifth grade during the first Gulf War. Oh my The gosh. first time we went to Iraq and killed half a million people, oh. uh, that was going on when I and I I was still just like I don't know why this is happening. Like, yeah. oh, they went to they invaded Kuwait first, but now they're leaving and we're going to chase them back into their own country and kill half a million people. Like, didn't didn't they surrender? Oh no, that, that's not good enough. Oh. Uh, we have to crazy. carpet bomb them as they're fleeing for their lives, surrendering. Right. So we, we talked about that. Um, I don't remember when. I think when we, we, we did some episode. I th- it might have been when we did um, Fahrenheit 9-11. I can't remember. But when we talked about the, the road of death or the ro- you know, that We that did a whole episode about George H.W. Bush when that uh, fucking ass-grabbing wheelchair uh, oh, marshmallow yeah, yeah, brain yeah. That's fucker what it was. died. <laughs> right, and, right, right. <laughs> you know, we, we were we were talking about like his time as ambassador to China and head of the CIA. Uh, you know, his involvement with the Vietnam War and carpet bombing Laos and Cambodia. Like he, if right, you look right. at the whole totality of George H. W. Bush's career, he's you know overlooked Maybe as the being monster. one of the right. biggest monsters we've ever had as president. Um, right, and. You know, the, the thing that they didn't have during the first Gulf War was like the nonstop propaganda that we had in 2002 and 2003, you know, all that Toby Keith bullshit. Like, that wasn't really there then. And they, you know, people said, like, oh, he, he was, you know, H.W. Uh, Bush was trying to outdo his father uh, in, in the amount of brutality he could show to Iraq, you know, which is just like, why do we have these fucking dynasties of insecure men that are trying yeah. to show off to, like, another insecure man yeah. by. Right. Killing people. So, yeah. So we, I mean, we, and in that episode, yeah. Now you, you jog my memory. Now we, we, we were talking about the highway of death, which is, uh, you know, at, at that time when when America was still, you know, posturing, uh, it, and the uh, Iraq uh, Iraqi army agreed to pull out of Kuwait. They re- agreed to re- to retreat the troops and go back to Iraq. 
um, the U.S. government uh, or the U.S. Army bom- literally bombed these troops that were fleeing on this, you know, c- fleeing back to Iraq on this highway where they were completely enclosed and couldn't, you know, they were boxed in. And they literally killed, I think, we said somewhere between one to 2,000 people just, just oh. on this fucking highway. In like an hour. Um, yeah. Oh in like an God. hour, just just carpet bombing. So it's one of the biggest atrocities that nobody ever talks about, you know, from our modern uh, warfare. I was reading uh, this this piece on Timothy McVeigh. He was actually one of the soldiers, the U.S. soldiers involved in that bombing on the Highway of Death specifically, which is fucking wild to like make that you know to be proud of that. That well, yeah, but it's just so funny that Timothy McVeigh is like. We, oh. Like they try to paint him as this lone, you know, like oh he's this lone wolf. Like he was no, he was you know, completely desensitized to and radicalized by by this fucking uh, disgusting atrocity that U.S. government uh, sanctioned. And then you wonder why he's gonna go and fucking commit more atrocities. It's like they they acted like he was this like they had they wanted nothing to do with him and he he was you know this non affiliated like lone wolf entity. And there's of course a million questions mm-hmm. about. You know, obviously he wasn't a fucking lone wolf and he had multiple people helping him with that bombing and et cetera, et cetera. But it, it's amazing all the shit, how all the shit is really connected when you don't, you know, when when you unravel the threads. Like it's very it, it, like the, the history of, of you know, you, you the, the violence of the U.S. empire is very. It, it, it's a it's a straight line is all I'm saying. Yeah. There's it's not you know <laughs> right. It's not these segmented little in, isolated incidents like they like you to believe. Exactly. As I like to say, time is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, um, I, I think that does it for us today for our episode. But um, yeah, if you want to support the show, uh, rate and view and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash Move Left. Um, Facebook. Facebook.com slash move left idiots. Um, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash move left merch available to tinyurl.com slash uh, slash move left pod. Um, Savannah, where can people find you on the on the socials? Um, you can find me. It's at Savanimals with a Z at the end. It's an old username. Um, or at All Power, um, where you're opening a community center and books, leftist bookstore organizing space in Los Angeles. So uh, that's another account that that's awesome. Yeah. From, so yeah, that's cool. <gasps> awesome. Yeah. Oh, I am on Twitter at move underscore left. And I'm on Twitter at Bike Slutty. Savannah, thank you so much for coming on today. <laughs> thank I you, guys. I really enjoyed this. So yeah, uh, any, anytime you want to come on ever again, you are more than welcome. Oh, thank you so much. This was great. Absolutely. Thanks for reminding me about the early 2000s and that <laughs> shit. I'm like going to oh, have nightmares. Sorry to re-traumatize. <laughs> right. sorry. Holy shit. Re- re- yeah, re- God. <laughs> thank you, guys. That trauma. Yeah, and we'll see everyone next week.
got it to say. 